Jeremy, and then you said that. Maybe I felt it was so nasty because it was so early in the morning. I was like, God damn, y'all, I wasn't expecting this. It's some chores in this house. It's some chores in this house. When she said that dang-a-lang-a-lang in her throat, because you on mute, girl. Oh. Because <laughs> I'm over here giving a whole She's over here speaking a novel. <laughs> so I don't want to, like, put one that doesn't really fit. Are you saying I'm the problem? You're saying I'm the problem. We need to do, like, a planning retreat. This is what we used to do with the... Ooh. And just plan. A retreat. Yeah. Get everything in order and stuff. There's so much information out there that people just don't really think about when they're designing things. If it wasn't a person in a wheelchair in that room telling you they struggled, y'all didn't think about they struggled. I'm just, it baffles me sometimes that there's almost like this blatant disrespect. <laughs> it's blatant. It's blatant. It is. Nobody consider the people who weren't in the room. No. We need more diverse talent. And we need more people in the rooms. And we need more critics in the room. When we were in, where was it? Across the street from Jeremy's house? We were sipping on that wine. We yeah, were sipping on that wine. wine. Well, the story. We at we that wine down <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> and that's, that's the story you told. And then we were like, yeah, exactly. Like, we need, we need to tell the world what we think. <laughs> As we talked about, it's really hard to develop empathy for people. And it's extremely harder when your life has been built on privilege. Not all innovation has to be like radical innovation. There's such thing as incremental innovation. And that is just as good. Marker moment type stuff. Like, okay, there's a zipper on here. That makes it so much easier. Like, this is just the smallest, smallest thing that people get delight out of. We had really good nuggets in that. My neck, my back my head and my scalp so i just had nuggets without sauce when i called them they said oh well we can send them back to you but you won't get them until october first of all i live in ohio i'm not wearing a sandal in october because it's cold as methuselah <laughs> when you do such and such and not such and such and feel like this and google be like no results <laughs> Danielle was like, how do I, how do I research it if I don't know what it's called? <laughs> We're at our allotted 20 minutes. Everybody want to be black, but nobody wants to be black for real. And on that note, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Just Us podcast. You got me, your girl. Treasure B. And Danielle SP. And Jeremy. And we're just three experienced designers that want to critique everything that we come across in our everyday blackly black and brown lives. Welcome to our group chat, y'all. So (laughs) what do we have on our mind this week? So I've been doing a lot of thinking. There's a lot of things that I think that could be designed better. Um, Per usual. Per usual. And I've been doing a lot of moving across states, too. So <laughs> I've just been thinking, like, how how can we innovate, like, daunting processes? It's like, like moving, like, you know, paying your light bill, like, you know, just processes that we go through kind of on an often, like a lot of people go through on a regular basis. How can we innovate and make those better? 
but to, to kick off the conversation, I kind of wanted to just uh, to kind of walk you out through like some 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 innovation that I've seen or like types of innovation. So, um, I know I know we talked about accessibility on episode two, and so one of the things that I saw um, that I thought was completely like super innovative, but it was really simple. So I, I guess that would be called like sustainable innovation or whatever versus like radical or disruptive is that for the elevators at Miami University, they took the buttons, well, they still have the buttons in the normal regular place where, uh, uh, you know, a person who is not disabled can push the button, but then they put big, large buttons on the, on the ground, not, not on the ground, but like closer to the ground where people who are in a wheelchair can use their foot to like press them. And so I thought that was like a, a really dope way to innovate on something that has already, you know, been around for a long time. And so I wanted to ask y'all, have y'all seen anything that was like particularly cool in innovation or some things that y'all think should be innovated on? Your, your story makes me think about, and I don't know who told me this, and even if it's true, but I'm gonna just say it anyway because it sounds like it could be. Um, so my fault, I'm gonna say that up forward for not attributing whoever, you know, did this thing, but I'm pretty sure that the remote was designed for people with disabilities, like a TV remote and things. Um, and, and that example just makes me think of how different when you make abilities. Yes, people with different abilities. Um, and how when you make things that are great like good enough for somebody then they become great for everybody in a way or great for somebody and become good enough for everybody and how the remote has become such a standard thing and every everything fucking has remote now at, at these points but to think that it was something that had to be innovated and added to it and it was for like the edge case uh, makes me think about you know the elevator and how what if one day we don't have buttons and it's up there and it, everything is just all like on the floor because it might be more, you know, usable for a wider audience of people to be able to do something like that. I don't know. It just, it just makes me think how much, like, things can change once you sort of take into account the wide flavors of people that exist on the world. Yeah, and I think that even even the fact that they added the buttons closer to the ground that and it could be used with your foot, it works for people who, you know, are able to use their hands to, to press the button. Like, but, but what if their hands are full? What if their hands are full? Then they could just kick it with their foot. Like, all right, no worries. There's nothing. Have no. you seen the trunk like that? I've seen those trunks. So oh, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like all them new cars sort of have, like, the term is called situational. Um, it's not situational disability. That's not the thing. Sitch, y'all help me out. I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> Me so there's a term for when normal able-bodied people like us. Normal. Okay. You're you're calling out of my language today. I'm and I have a I had I had a really long conversation with my friend about like we've been talking about maybe the past like two months about how language is so nuanced. Mm-hmm. And we've been actively trying to like get rid of words that are inherently biased, so like normal and crazy and like things like that. But my fucking god is it not difficult to sort of like switch that habit of yeah, just using hard. these words and finding another, another that's episode. the only reason i'm doing it but no yeah you're challenging me you you yeah. know 
you know what I'm working on. And as a good friend, you're helping me achieve that goal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I think it might be your situationally impaired or something mm-hmm. like that. But it just means when you, you are doing something that is taking away your mobility or your ability to behave as you usually would. So for example, if you're carrying groceries, you don't have your hands free. And so that creates different affordances that you build on with you know, the objects that are around you because now you're like, I can just use my foot. I, I think about how we always design things for like that ideal sort of state where somebody is using this in a perfect sort of world, but all of our lives are nuanced. So there is no like perfect state. Like there would be some point where someone, you know, whoever designed the iPhone or whatever might say that, hey, you know, people are always using this with one hand, it's like, don't have this or using it in this sort of situation and how are you sort of designing to um account for all those changes in people yeah i think i think innovation is a space that is honestly super it, i think it's super dope like i'm gonna just like riff really quick because like and go on a rant because i've been talking about innovation for like days now but i think innovation is a place that it kind of operates out of that intersection of empathy and like Synergy is like when you have that that group of people and they are really empathetic towards a problem or towards uh, something that needs a solution. And I think that's where the best innovation happens. Um, So that's why I kind of wanted to bring to y'all, you know, the process of moving, because I feel like we do together have to have a certain synergy and we are also able to tap into that, that empathy um, that can like, maybe we can brainstorm on how to make that process better. For, for people like us and people who are not like us. Okay. I do have a few things to say. So uh, episode three, we did talk a lot about um, accessibility design. So like there's a, there's like, that's a whole separate other thing, but we kind of have touched on a little bit about like universal accessibility. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I would say came from episode three. We kind of mentioned that like, you have to design for everybody in mind from the beginning versus like afterwards, like tacking on features that might assist different use cases. There's ways of serving everyone's needs up front. And I think that's like going off of what Jeremy was saying about situational, like ideal states. Um, I, I also feel like innovation is a huge buzzword and maybe we like need to like, um, unpack yeah i'm um, just unpack a little bit because most of the time when we talk about innovation like we're talking people are thinking about radical innovation yeah. but what we were talking about before like putting a small zipper on something or understanding like seasonal shoes when you're shipping orders like that's like incremental innovations that really do like carry a lot of weight when it comes to like a brand equity or to customer experience but it's not always like robots and like like drones flying in with machine learning and artificial intelligence, like in a virtual headset, you know, but that's like, that's immediately where everyone's mind goes when we talk about innovations and like tech can help, but it doesn't always have to be like crazy wild things to help with moving. I think it's, it's something that you were saying one time, SP, and I always remember this is how like innovation is always have to be sexy and how everyone always flies for like, you know, this show stopping sexy tech innovations, like, sort of work but it's really more impactful if you work on those incremental and 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 smaller changes to help people out at large like and that may not look the sexiest to sort of say 
I built an infrastructure that helps people pay their bills on time without any frustration versus mm-hmm. I develop a robot that can speak eight languages, you know, like yeah. I think people's, people's idea of innovation is very skewed more toward cool innovation. A wow factor. Right, right, right. That's sort of like wow factor thing because that's what, that's what we've seen and that's what, you know, gets the most sort of like clout in a way because everyone's talking about oh this cool thing that apple did or oh did y'all see this new such and such startup that's doing x y and z but no one's really talking about sort of like structural structural innovations that are just not as wow factor not as sexy not wearing lingerie right you know honestly oh my goodness yeah so that that's true like and when I think about when I think about innovation, it's kind of broken down into like those four kind of categories that radical or disruptive innovation versus, you know, something that's just, you know, seeming like it, it's breakthrough, but it's simple. And then you have that basic innovation or that sustainable innovation um, where, you know, it's just like like SP has been saying, it's incremental and it just kind of builds on that foundation over time and just gets better each time, you know, you push the bar. Um, but I think people do, people get, you know, hyped up about the disruptive and that radical innovation, that wow factor, when really we need more just sustainable, you know, well, sustaining and like, you know, small incremental innovation in order to make the world a better place. But I will say it's hard because, you know, speaking like personally, like when you're looking for a job and things, the ones that are like more sexy and attractive are always in those spaces that aren't solving you know, incremental problems, like the, like the ones that we're just mentioning right now, you know, it's always like, I want to work for these big companies because they're doing this amazing things. I hear about them in the news and like that just gets you excited. Mm-hmm. And so I, I understand sometimes how, you know, we're all sort of blindsided and like blinded to other things that are going on in the world because we're just so focused on just like, there's this app I need to do or there's, like, you know, there's this thing I need to work for. Like, it's almost as if I, aspiration looks different to a lot of us and like being successful looks like working at one of these larger companies that are doing like the innovative and cool things versus that working for your local infrastructure like local government or something like that and doing that same sort of work but in a one is probably harder because they don't probably understand what the fuck it is anyway Mm -hmm. that, that they need and don't have the infrastructure but it's like, okay, do I go here and innovate because they understand what it is? Or do I go here and innovate and, you know, be taken for granted or not seen as useful or not even be able to like make the changes that I want because the infrastructure is not in place. I just read that nonprofit organizations have a hard time getting good talent because they can't pay you what other like private companies who are mm-hmm. doing crazy, sexy things can pay you. But the better challenge really if you're a creative person is to go somewhere where you have more constraints, you know, but it's just, it's just not set up to really encourage that. Yeah. Like if you can make as much as you make working for a, you know, large private company and for working for like a nonprofit, like if, if it was equal, people probably would be doing more things that are actually in line with their passions and actually like problems that they want to fix because everyone wants a lifestyle where not i'm not gonna say everyone but like you know we all like we all want a lifestyle we can like have money and support ourselves like do all those things and don't we don't have to sacrifice that for doing something that we're passionate about all you know all the time but it's just 
that's not how the money is moving right now in our <laughs> society. Right. Yeah, and there, there is like you know the the ideals of the world, the frogs, the cheeks, the you know the large global design consultancies that that focus really on innovation and they do that sexy work, but sometimes they also do the work that we don't hear about, you know, and we, and, but that's not what is going to attract talent. I think those, those large sexy projects that they work on kind of do, I mean, it does attract that, the talent that they're looking for in order to keep being innovative. How many times can we say sexy in this episode? Too damn much. Is someone keeping track? Yes. It's a drinking game. I was just about to say that, like, if you have a glass of wine or drink, Drink. Every time we say sexy, take a shot. No, because then the girl goes <laughs> you know somewhere. You guys are making me think like of tactics of like these crazy. Oh, what if we did this or what if we did that? Like, what if we had these things? And I'm always like, well, none of that is necessary. Like, you can, you can, you sure we can try to do those things. None of that is necessary. Like, it's almost too ahead. Like, but it looks cool and it sounds cool. But is it really like? the best use and is it truly innovative if it's not it's a very much it reminds me of just like beauty is not beauty is in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. where innovation is also in the eye of the beholder like what you may think of innovative is not what everybody else does and that could be some of the like jumping to conclusion like you know i think this i want to you know use these colors in this way or like evoke this sort of feeling and that's innovative in your own sort of field and craft it's just like it's a whole, as usual, it's a whole bunch of opinions and stuff that are just getting thrown around. Yeah, I agree with that because in my, like, in my heart of hearts, like, some of the dopest, some of the most innovative stuff that I've seen came from people that live in the hood. (laughs) It's not ghetto, it's efficient. Exactly. It's not. People will be, people will be quick to downplay their innovations and say, oh, they're resourceful people. No, them motherfuckers is innovative. Give them their just due. They will, man. <laughs> they are. They are. Like, homegirl who was selling pops, you know, down the corner is a businesswoman. You know? <laughs> the girl that used the vending machine to sell weave out of, that, that was lucrative. That was a strategic business move. You could have used, you could have put bags of chips in that vending machine, but now you put bundles. Why? innovation you don't have to be there it's innovation and it's efficiency and sis i i rocks with you on that okay people think it sounds crazy or people think something sounds crazy but it does sound crazy until you see it everything sounds crazy until you're like oh that shit actually right like there was one day when ubers and lyfts were crazy you know because It was so foreign to us to just, I just use an app to call somebody to come pick me the fuck up. Hell no. You know, I'm not doing that. Right. And it's a whole stranger. But nowadays we're like, yeah, you know, Uber left that. I mean, not nowadays because we're all in the fucking house. But you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) everything that's innovative seems crazy. Or like, we can't do that until it's done. And then you're like, well, why don't we do it sooner? And why didn't I think of it? Right. Why didn't I think of it? I think, you know, even with some of the stuff we're talking about now, where it's just like, infrastructure that needs changing like helping people sort of like pay bills and stuff like that until it's radicalized and changed like it's just gonna look like oh we can't do it or oh we can't change this but when it's done people are gonna go say it's innovative and like we're the first to do x y and z and this is that and the third and that's what we need we need to keep that energy for all things 
actually, I sent you guys in the group chat um, a diagram that it was more of a graph, and it talks about four different types of innovation, and it it talks about like the the innovative like that we're thinking of the radical innovation, but it also goes into like the difference between what is disruptive, you know, that is a completely new technology in the same market, mm-hmm. uh, and then what is like architectural innovation which i didn't really think about it but it's like something that exists elsewhere but is being reapplied to a different market like basically memory foam like mattresses actually helped space shuttle foam you know stuff like that like it's something that people don't always like think of but you don't always have to reinvent the wheel and completely like create new never before seen things for innovation and innovation. Okay, so out of this four quadrant that you just said, disruptive is like the Lyfts and Ubers where you like disrupt the market that's already established. Mm -hmm. Okay, architectural is like what we say with the uh, memory foam used used in the spaceships. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's incremental? Incremental is when it's, um, like a small thing, like a feature added to something that already exists to the people who are already using it, but just mm-hmm. changes their experience of it. So a yeah, lot of like that feature. elevator. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just like that. Okay, and then radical is stuff like you've never seen before. So when the iPhone first came out, it was deemed as like radical innovation. Yeah, actually, okay. that's the example they used. Nice. Okay, so. That's interesting that this lens is on this sort of like innovation space because there's probably so much stuff that is radical. Like Treasure mentioned with like the weaves inside of the vending machines. To me, that shit radical, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Let me look at the, let me look at this graph. Is it new technology? No, it's existing technology. Is it a new market? Yes. So that's so, architectural. Oh yeah, okay. So it's disruptive. It's disruptive. It's disruptive to the vending machine market. Yeah. To the vending machine market, or is it disruptive to the hair economy? Both, actually. Okay. Both, because she really? just she put that thing in the middle of Linux Mall. It just was selling hair. I, said, I bet that shit was sold the fuck out. I bet. Your coin, sis. Get your coin. Oh. Uh, okay. Sis. So this this whole talk of innovation is just I didn't know there was different quadrants to this shit. Yeah, it's you know? there's levels, but I think it does help sort of categorize the different types of cool shit, for lack of better words, that is being put out and done by some like great minds that are out there, or just people who sort of have an, an idea or an eye for you know what's needed. Like, what do my people need? Uh, mm-hmm. It makes me think back to that article that. And I'm gonna have to look up who wrote it, so we'll tag them in the show notes and everything like that. But the the one that talked about that um, black people have always been UX designers because we've always have been solving shit and figuring. You said who? Her name is Jacqueline Iyama, and she is like the head of Black UX uh, Collective. There we go. Well, shout out to you, Sister Jacqueline, because you were fucking right. Like. <laughs> We have been solving problems, and I'm talking about like a lot of marginalized people have been solving problems in their community since fucking day one, because there hasn't been a space to you know do so and to thrive. But like that shit isn't seen as innovative, like innovation. Yeah. You know, it people is with not. Abilities. 
people with disabilities are always having to to adapt to mm -hmm. their environment and circumstance with every single task. Mm -hmm. Did y'all see that girl on Twitter that was, or I don't know if there was a girl, did y'all see that person on Twitter that was using, um, that was demonstrating how they use their, like, braille on the iPhone? Yeah. You put that to the group chat. Oh my fucking God. I was like, this is, <laughs> I've you never, know, I've I was like, the, I was like, the technology is there, but that learning curve to probably get, like, get that, like, how much research went into that? Like, is that innovative? Because I ain't sitting nowhere else, but I also have not had my eye on that type of thing, so... Probably if I, you know, cured my diet in a way to see more shit like that, I would be like, oh, wow. You know, Apple might be behind, you know, compared to the rest of the girls that might be doing stuff. But no, it's like, that to me is like innovation. But I don't want to get innovation confused with like novelty, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, just because it's new to me doesn't necessarily constitute that it's innovation, you know? Honestly. Sometimes it just has that, ah. Uh... Moment. Yeah, you know, I don't know how else to describe that. That's shine. That's shine. That's how you feel about the weave. About the weave. You said, about the weave in the vending machine. I'm so stuck on the whole vending machine situation. I'm sitting here like, what else can we put in a vending machine? So, so I don't know. <laughs> they were iPads and iPods and stuff and headphones. I, yeah, they still have it in the mall here. Um, but yeah, there's like an electronics vending machine. But you know, That's in Japan, time. was it Japan? Probably. They got every they got everything yeah. over there. But vending machine culture is like huge over there. Like they mm -hmm. put anything in a vending machine. Oh, yeah. So it's like now how how do we extend that into American culture? And she said, sis, I'm about to steal this weave out of there because I ain't got time to be slanging it myself. Maybe maybe this can um align with your discussion about moving. What can mm -hmm. we sell out of a vending machine to help? Apartments. Sell a whole fucking apartment out the vending machine. Like, give me an apartment bundle. <laughs> Ooh, don't even get me started on moving. Moving is a whole. Oh, you guys process. both recently moved. We did. And I just moved across states for the second, third time. I lived in Chicago for the summer. Moved, moved, yeah. So it's probably like the third time I moved across states. And I'm telling you, this time was so much worse. And I don't really know why. My sister drove a U-Haul from Virginia to Ohio. And the process was just like, it has to be a better way. It has to be a better way. And I know, you know, you can hire movers. Boom, that's cool. But how do we make that U-Haul process better is what I need to know. Because... One, they gave me the wrong address to drop the U-Haul back off at. Come to find out the U-Haul place moved and it's at a different location. So I didn't drop this U-Haul off <laughs> at a whole different <laughs> at a whole not different in the middle of, not in the middle of the uh in in a, in a like abandoned lot. You just didn't dropped it off. Not you had to go put more gas in it when you moved right. it to the next place. Right. Oh, I just I dropped it off and I put the key in it had a drop box out there and I went to the other place because I'm like, oh shoot. We just dropped it off at a bando because why would the U-Haul place be closed at three o'clock in the afternoon? And good thing I went to the next place because she was like, oh, good. She said we still have the keys for it, for that building, but that place is like abandoned. It's not really abandoned. It's just like they moved recently. So they, they didn't have a sign? No. Uh, I guess they didn't want their car back then. Well, they went and got it, I guess. She told me they weren't going to charge me extra, so. 
I don't know, but Essie, you move a lot too. I know I do. I'm so unstable. Um, when I think about it, oh, thank God. Um, when I think about it, it's not just about the hands that are there, and it's not just about the U-Haul. There's parts of it that is the process. There's the boxes, acquiring boxes, and like mm-hmm. there's a process to moving things correctly mm-hmm. and wrapping things up correctly. But yep. I also think about people who have different family members and pets and things like that. The whole, the whole moving process is a market that I think is a little bit underdeveloped. Like there's a great network of budget trucks, U-Haul trucks, dollies and whatnot, but they're also like bare bones in a way. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like, well, we wrote down how much gas is in it. Bring it back with the same amount of gas. Um, You're Mm -hmm. on your way. And they could do a little bit more. Could could we possibly have Uber? I guess Uber does Uber Freight where they will move your stuff for you. They will fly it though. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's a new part of Uber, but I just saw it on their website because they were hiring product designers. Um, but Can they just lay off people? Well, I don't, probably. Everybody's laying off people. That's true. <laughs> um, but, like, can I request a moving truck in an app and you just bring it to my house? Yeah, why can't they drop it off for you? Why does it have to be a whole thing of, hey, we're going to meet up, you follow me, you do that. Why can't they just drop it off? Well, how would they get back? <laughs> I just know what I was just <laughs> Enterprise will drop you off? Yeah, but you have to drive they them back and drop them off. Oh, you do? They don't just figure it out amongst themselves? No. Dang, they can't handle how they trail them. <laughs> they, 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 might have changed, they might have changed it, but in the past, where I've had to have, like, come like the rental car come pick me up i had to drive them back to like drop drop them off you're literally getting a u-haul which could tell a vehicle behind it you know what you know is this just us being lazy no or is, it's or is it really a mundane process that needs to be innovated on? it's mundane needs to be innovated because so many people move and more people move more frequently than they used to in the past we're just so used to it. This is the prime ground for innovation. That's the issue. A lot of times people just get comfortable and they don't want to, I don't know. They don't want to top themselves. I don't know. I feel like a lot of stuff, maybe like the upfront part of like that's not even the upfront. That's like, you know, you're going to move sort of situation. And like, we didn't even got into the other part of the moving journey, which is like picking out your house and, you know, figuring out <laughs> what accommodation you are going to be. Like, we're at, the, we're at the last step right now. When you we know are you at moving. We're at the, you know the you have to move. You, you, got to, right, you have to figure out a way to get your shit elsewhere, okay? Um, but I feel like they just need more, like, better efficiency in their internal process. Mm-hmm. Because the whole, like, moving, like, just going to get the U-Haul truck and, like, stuff like that is, I feel like, almost as simple as it can be where it's just you need this return it this day fill it up with gas and like there's nothing else there like yeah yeah there's some stuff to like learn about like you have to know about moving like for instance um i was just gonna carry my tv out but then i was like you know what let me go see if they have a box i can put my tv into and they did and then having to figure out how to like use the box for the tv was a whole different experience um but I think it's just more like like we talk about incremental innovation that could be done to help 
expedite that process and make it easier for you to understand what's required when you do when you are moving and like how some of these things fit into your sort of like pieces you know Jeremy I think it's bare bones and it is straightforward but I don't think it's user-centered because no hell no not user-centered it's business center and they failing too well yeah I I just I mean I think about getting the U-Haul from point to point B the gas situation even the timing of when you have to bring it back like I do understand they have to manage their inventory but like have you guys been there where you're like, come on, we got to hurry up and grab these last three things because it's due back at eight o'clock. Like, why does that need to be happening? Because no one's about to go check out a U-Haul at 8 p.m. And they want to upcharge. <laughs> like, it's just, they could probably, like, get more business if they were willing to give you a little bit more. At this point, it would be interesting if they did, like, an entire, you know, hands-off sort of experience. Whereas, like, I say I'm moving, I need the car at this time. Like, it's going to be in front of my house at this time. I will, like, leave it out for them to come pick it up. And I never have to, like, you, like I think about invisible systems where you never see how the other system is working. You just know it's working. I, I like think it could, could work well for, like, this whole entire moving experience. You know, one thing U-Haul, U-Haul has done that I think is, I guess, um, that incremental innovation that, that we discussed, they actually added a contactless feature like you could just do everything from your phone so you uh i guess you create an account and then you check in from your phone you unlock the car from your phone and the key is in the inside of the car and then you just you know it's contactless you just get it go come back Mm -hmm. back. um so i think that is i think they're they are thinking about this stuff too is like how do we make this process better for the people who are renting from us but of course you know with with that it's small steps so maybe their service design needs to be thought about too versus just you know how yeah. c- consumers um jeremy think- you ever help people move in did you ever assist the freshmen move in on campus mm-hmm. yeah that was something we had to do as part of being a, a student leader we had to help them move in and it's chaotic as fuck because everybody packs differently Mm-hmm. and then like the school didn't provide us with any sort of understanding about how to actually move shit they were just like we'll just lift it up and then like you know help them get into it but like there's there's like have y'all ever seen a car and like you're packing up a u-haul and you're like this shit not gonna fit but then somebody makes it fit because they have like an awareness of like how stuff fits yeah. together in space and whatnot definitely that could be explained you mm-hmm. know that like maybe you put the bigger stuff on the bottom you know you know like simple things could just be like broken down and concepts of just like moving and packing like all all this other stuff that sort of like goes into it but i'll be interested to know going back to like their services on model is like as times are changing now how are they going to design for contactless stuff but also folks that don't have anybody else to help them move yeah you know because I already think about if I need to move somewhere, I'm by myself. And I, if I'm on a world where like a Lyft and Uber may not be the safest option, how am I going to get to like, you know, pick up this vehicle? Okay. Imagine you picked up a U-Haul and already in your U-Haul, there's like a laundry cart, like, you know, those carts that you could push around, like wagon type thing. Mm-hmm. There's 40 like solid boxes. They're collapsible, but they are reusable, and you have to bring them back. You pack in them. 
or put your stuff in them so that everything fits and you can stack certain things in the boxes in the U-Haul. And there's a belt on the side of the floor so that you can pull things closer to the front of the entrance. You can put them on the belt and pull them closer to the front. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be super cool. And you know what? That just made me think about, I was helping my friend move probably like, probably like two weeks ago. And there was a dolly and like one of those moving blankets in the inside of the U-Haul, but you had to cut the thing in order to get it so that they could charge you. Oh, that's, see that, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. See, that that makes me so mad. This is what makes me mad about nail salons too, because it's like, you paid $3 for this bottle of polish and you got to use it 100 times on 100 different people and charge each of them $5 for a polish change. How does that work out? You are making a 6,000%. I mean, but that's labor and overhead at the nail salon. For U-Haul to put the dolly and the moving blankets in there to take up space for one, and I put all the labor myself, I guess you charging me for wear and tear of your product, but Honestly, I'm already paying you a ton. Like, just let me use it. Exactly. This is another interesting thing to like you to like uh, give you a little yes and. If the U-Haul trucks follow the model of like a mini bar in in your in your hotel room, and like if you touch it, they'd be charged you for it. And so, like, if it if it came with like boxes and stuff inside, you can just say like, okay. I need this box. I need that box. Let me just use it. Like it's already built and it's already on the truck. You don't have to use it. And if you use it, we're going to charge you for it. If not, cool. Um, then it would just be like self-sufficient in a way. They didn't have to be restocked. But then everything will be on the truck for you to use at some point if you needed it. However, I would need them to be reusable boxes because all that cardboard that they charge you for is not renewable. I mean, but you can recycle the cardboard. You know people don't recycle. I just feel like like reusable like reusable stuff, somebody's gonna fuck it up. And when you're handling stuff that like it's packaging, I, it it could get tricky when like I'm using a fucked up box that's reusable and now my TV's banged up. Well now I, who now I, who I, am I think I, like, certain things you might would need your own boxes for. Who who am I pointing my trigger at at this point? Is it you all or is it the last person that uses box? I'm thinking more like like the trays at the airport. Like you know how like they have like stacks of them. Like that's what I'm more thinking about. Like Mm, the boxes that you can use, you know, like maybe not like thin, shallow with no top, but like a box like that that you can use. Um and then give them back to them. Because honestly, it's like when you buy stuff at the store, like you end up opening everything and then throwing away the packaging you know, or, like, the bag that you got it in, like, it's literally just for transporting. If you could just put it back on your U-Haul truck and let yeah. them handle it. Yeah. They're not going to do that, though. That's too innovative for them. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just, they probably have always just made business because, move like, at some point, you're going to have to move Mm-hmm. And there's only certain places that will sell you that type of stuff, you know, on yep. demand like that. So it's like, probably to them as a business, it's been working for years. Why do we need to change it? Because th- 
literally no one else is in this space doing anything else. And I'm not gonna say no one else because there is like, you know, movers and new services are, are out to like help you move. Um, I, I'm, it's on the tip of my tongue what this one is called, but I don't know what's up with my brain. I can't remember anything today. But there are people like disrupt, trying to disrupt this industry, but I don't know if they're sort of hitting it at the way that like a Lyft or Uber has, where it has called even old players to rethink their tactics and, you know, want to innovate by putting people first. I think the last time I heard about someone, you know, innovating in this space, not even, not, not even necessarily innovating at all, but just, you know, putting their own spin on it is two men in a truck. Um, mm. so it's just like their pricing model is very affordable and they still provide you help. Like, uh, I think that's the last time I heard about anything. Happening. Are they motivational? Have you ever used them? No, I haven't. Do they boost morale as well as assist you? Because moving be rough. Moving is so it's so rough. People don't <laughs> move be rough. Moving, moving is yeah, and like the only way for it to not be rough is that you have movers or you to just enjoy and like enjoy the art that it is of like getting rid of a space and like sort of like ritualizing it in a way. But anybody got time for that? I'm trying to get my shit and go. Mm-hmm. At this point, and it's just not really <laughs> moving. Is I would say outside of now, because y'all know I just moved too. So outside of finding a place, and so sort of like going through that process now that is different because of you know virus restrictions. The sort of how am I going to get stuff from one place to another was like the least of my worries. It had to be like the the least stressful part of my entire moving process. You weren't moving very far. Yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't moving very far, but like, you know, we were moving two different peoples into one spot, which is like, that's true. We were coming from two different houses. We had a bunch, of, like we had a bunch of like repeat stuff that we had to, you know, go through and figure out and sort. And so it was a different moving process, but it was Honestly, the most stressful part was touring and finding a house. And that probably just had to do with, you know, the nature of being in the pandemic. But I feel like moving, moving has always been my least stressful part. And now I even think about it. Even when I move into my last place, moving was just like, cool, pack this shit up and go. Um, it might be more because of my lived experience, like being a military child, I'm just used to moving around. And so, like, doing that part of a job was, like, second nature to me, almost, who was moving around every fucking year, basically. But it's always that, like, finding a spot piece that is difficult as hell for me. That's that is picky. But no, it's super stressful. Like, when I, let me tell y'all, when I first moved to Virginia, two weeks before school started, my housing fell through. So then I had to rush to find other housing. I told you to come live with me, Treasure. You did. And I didn't you even did. know we would like each other like that. You did tell me to come live with me. My dog's running around. Uh-uh. Hey, Treasure would have been fucking pissed off if she had to live with you and your dogs. And you just pick, you just picking up dogs off the street. Like, she was... Oh. <laughs> Do y'all know I don't like animals? <laughs> saying that, but they love you. But no, I like, I, I was like... I 100% agree with Treasure, and and I know I know that I'm a picky person when it comes to, like my wants and needs, but this pandemic has sort of placed 
I think I talked with y'all about it before. A new emphasis on how I think about space and mm-hmm. how I like think about the space that I use on a daily basis. Because before then, like my spot was literally just a spot to rest and relax. But now a home has to be like so fucking multifunctional. Like not only do I kind of have to rest and relax, but I have to cook clean. And now it has to be my office too. So it's like accommodate, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think in another spot that is like, if we're talking about the whole entire moving process, the part of finding a spot that actually fits your needs and like how you live on the everyday day to basis now is going to be interesting because it has not caught up with, like if you go to apartments.com, it's literally just like, you can filter by, okay, you want in-house washer and dryer? Do you want, <laughs> you know, do you want pets? Stuff like that. But it's not focused on, do you need an office space? You know, do you need an additional room that's not a room for an office? You know, like that type of stuff is not. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other separate uh, episode. <laughs> because I, I have difficulty finding place to live because I have a restricted breed animal. But mm-hmm. those those filters are not always accurate because people may not post and fill out all the information. Yep. And all units available around you are not all on Zillow. So you have to start using different different portals different. and they all have different features. It's hard. And it's like you you could think about the process of moving into in and you could think about how do we create a better process for people who are trying to move from apartment to apartment or what about the people who are trying to move from house to apartment like because there are Mm -hmm. a category of people who are trying to downsize or Mm -hmm. what if you want to move from an apartment to a house is there education that you need to know you know like how do we create a platform or is there is there a platform that helps you because one i think a part a piece of about moving is educating yourself on one, if you're moving to a new city or maybe you're moving within your city, but to a different part mm-hmm. of your city, like you have all these different platforms for different, for different things. But is there one that tells you, Hey, you want to move to this city? Um, the cost of living is higher here. You're going to need to make this amount of money to maintain the same, you know, the same living lifestyle. And these are the apartments within, you. but I don't know. I feel like it, it's just, I feel like the moving process as far as looking for apartments and looking for, uh, new new places to live it should be more personalized. I got it. Danielle's declassified moving survival guide. Honestly, <laughs> I need you. I need you to write it, and I need you to start a business because I mean you're right, and we didn't even get into like the nuance of being you know a person of color and moving because there are a lot more considerations you have to put on. Or, you know, a lot more considerations that I'm not going to say everybody because not everybody sort of thinks the same way that I do. But there's different considerations I put on when it comes to, like, where I'm going to live at. And, you know, just thinking about are they going to let me sort of, like, move into this spot? So, mm-hmm. like, when we had actually had to go and tour, um, you know, places, um, since me and Tara lived together, we were just like, we just need one bedroom. But it's like seeing two dudes' names on the application and it's like for a one bedroom, they're probably like, what the fuck? You know? And that was one of my like, you know, big fears when I had to go to this, you know, the leasing offices was like, are they going to not give me this spot because we're two gay black dudes and we're trying to like move into their neighborhood and then is that going to cause, you know, issues? Like I had to do literally research and figure out like, 
let me figure out if they have any incidences over here. Like, what are they saying about, you know, all that stuff? And, and it's just like, that's why I think a lot of people gravitate to online systems. But when the online systems are broken in a way that you can't find the best spot, your only next best option is to go in person and then have to face sort of someone else's biases and be at their will to do that. So yeah. if there was somebody that could like take into all your considerations, just say, you know, I'm about to help you out in an entirety of this moving process. Like, where are you at? Let me meet you halfway. You know, you say you got these type of persons. Let me find you. You know, here's some good spots for you. It almost sounds like a, like a realtor in a way, but like a realtor will show you a bunch of houses, like figure you out and shit like that. But for the everyday person that's just moving, I need that shit too. You know, we also need a house fax. You know, they say, show me the car fax. We need a house fax because why do I need to go and pay six different companies to run my stuff when I could just have my stuff ran and you just go back to the central database that evaluates me as a, as a renter? Mm-hmm. All right, y'all, we'll take this one right to the bank. We'll get your little whiteboard, Jeremy. We need markers. We need something because, like, we didn't even get into like cross country moving. Hmm. Which is a whole like a whole different thing. Like how am I you know, I was interviewing for a spot one time and I was having a candid conversation with the, you know, um the hiring manager and I was just like, unlike, you know, some of my white counterparts, I can't just up and move because I have a lot of different consideration I have to take into account before I move. So I was like, if the expectation is that I, you know, get the job and I have to move the next week. It ain't happening, Catherine. You know, like, I need to take that fine-tooth time to comb over every single thing and make sure that I will be comfortable in whichever spot I move into. And that's talking about, like, all taking all facets of my identity into account. Oh, I really agree with that. Um, there was something I was watching, or maybe maybe a discussion I was having with someone, and we discussed, like, how black people cannot just up and move. You have to, you have to research the area. You have to see what's the most racist part of this state. What's the most racist part of this city? Because not everybody is going to be treated equally, and not you know like you have to. It's so much that you have to take into consideration, and then that's not even moving with the family. Mm. That's just you moving by yourself. When you got a family, you got to consider what's the best schools. You know. Right. Really a lot to go all of them in Richmond, they have like a, a F minus. They got like some type of Apple rating system. All the Apple is rotten. All the, all, all the schools around here, they just suck. Richmond's walk score also be bad, which I find is a new thing. It's not a new thing, but it's, it's a thing where the, like the walk score would tell you how walkable your area is. I wonder why that feature is a thing. What, the walk score? Mm-hmm. Why are you wondering why it's a thing? I feel like that's a gentrification thing. That's like, a, how close is it within walking distance for us to go to these boutique cafes? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. My walk score is, how far can I walk without seeing a crackhead or, <laughs> or, like, walk score. or a hooker on that, the corner? That's what that, I that sounds like gentrification walk That's score. That's what I need to know. <laughs> that sounds like gentrification walk score right how there. How walkable is there? Are my kids going to be walking to the school bus and seeing a zombie on the stoop? that's what i need to know yeah you know it'll be interesting for us to sort of chart out a moving path like from start to finish 
and sort of figure out what are those pain points. That sounds like fun. In the whole entire like moving journey, and what's the most? Where is the most the most opportunity lie? Because you're right, and you know I agree with both of y'all when it's like there needs to be something that's end to end, but it's probably always hard to start like take over every single segment of a market that's so divided. Like moving is a process in general, but the process of moving has millions of individual parts that are all owned by different companies at this point, you know? Like the person that does my U-Haul is not the person that is going to help me find a spot. And it's somebody that wants to take over that entire like journey is very ambitious. I don't think it can't be done, you know? But those those. Right, Procano loves those, but Procano, where do you start? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, it would be interesting, I think, to sort of figure out where where could we be innovative? Like, where's the most bang for your buck in being innovative in this spot? And where can we have the most impact on people? Listen, Mm. a lot of people can't get approved to get places to live. That's a big place for innovation right there. That is a good story. That is, I didn't really even expect this conversation to go here. I don't really know where I had where I had envisioned this going, but I think that we definitely covered some like ground <laughs> and uncovered like this shit fucked up we, for real. We moved some ground. Hmm? We really did move some ground. We you hauled it. All right, y'all. We're gonna take a break. <laughs> I'm gonna go find me a job right quick. We'll be right back. Yeah, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back from our quick little hiatus that we took. And per usual, we're going to wrap up the show with our community where, you know, we're going to put you on to all things that we come across in our lives as well. Um, We just talked a lot about moving and apartments and, you know, all that sort of thing. So ironically, the other day I was scrolling on uh, my LinkedIn and somebody that I know by the name of Tolu Alibode and this other person named Jessica Cherney put together um, an interior decorating on a budget guide. So you can literally go to this link and it helps you sort of figure out how to get your apartment together on a budget. Now I know for me, like that shit is hard as fuck because I don't get why stuff to go in your house and literally just sit there and look at you cost so fucking much, but it does. So <laughs> if, you, if you're trying to make your spot like cute as hell, and you know really speak to who you are as a person i would definitely check out this little uh not low it's not low but this guy that they have on building your interior space oh today is uh is it equal payday for black women day black women equal payday today i went to the future of ux um talk webinar that was put on by adobe xd in partnership with a bunch of awesome creatives one person that was on the panel was our girl lona reporter and all the gems that she dropped literally was so great like i feel like everybody else was just talking about like regular regular ux stuff at one point but she literally i came out the gun swing and i was like you know what the future of ux is gonna move off screen and be more of these spaces okay and i was like i have been having these thoughts for decades 
y'all know yeah. I've no, I've been on a physical space realm. <laughs> we were all been in the space with like you know digital like like they were all saying that you know digital spaces have been sort of figured out and they're sort of like set in stone UX process for this stuff and we're looking for a new challenge. Mm-hmm. And the physical space is right there. Like all of the girls that are in like we just talked about apartments and new considerations for all that you know how people use space. This is going to go into how we design spaces for people that you know are looking to maximize. There's their their abodes and you know and whatnot. A I'm feeling the intersection of architecture picking up. You know, I I talked to a a lady named Jen Tank and she works at Gensler. Um, she heads up their um, I think experience department over at Gensler Architecture. And basically, she was saying that how she's trying to get her architects that she works with to to use design thinking methods um, instead of just saying I have a vision. So I feel like what you're saying is now we're going to see architecture use design thinking and kind of like sit at the intersection of uh, UX in order to create better better spaces. Yep. It, you know, we had that one talk with Carl and he was like, the blue collar UX role is coming. It is upon the girls. Like, it's coming. It's coming where UX is sort of in a lot more areas that it is right now. And I think to our to our com- larger conversation around like innovation, that boom is going to, like that blue collar UX boom is going to help out the innovation space because more spots will be looking for people with our type of talents, people with our type of mindset and sort of like figuring out problems for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there might be opportunities elsewhere for, you know, us looking forward where it might not just be, you know, digital first companies. And it could be more companies that are doing impactful stuff um, on a very like micro level, but macro and impact, you know? Yeah. Jeremy, did, did they by chance have uh, recordings of that? Or do you? I think, I think they said the recordings were going to go out sooner or later they said they had i know they mentioned there had to be some editing done just you know to be on the safe side of things but i think they're going to put the recordings out but definitely it was a great talk um if you're not already following lenora porter i think some i think charger you just told me that she's not on instagram anymore but she's definitely on linkedin and the twitter and she's always putting putting us on to like new things and whatnot and you know shouts us out and helps you know spread around the joy of being black and brown she asked that spot. She actually shouted us out. Like shit, yeah, she shouted us out the other day on LinkedIn. That was very exciting. It was exciting. And you know, we talk a lot about like I I by no means think that she's like horizontal to us and where we are. You know, we're all like burgeoning creatives in in this world. But like it feels good to know that there's people out there that support you and like have your back and sort of like in ways like that and you can look forward to like mentorship or just like tossing a question around so I really just appreciate you know us uplifting each other and think that we all should do a better job of just doing that in general um something else that brings me to that as well I got an email the other day from somebody that wanted to um that was complimenting my portfolio and it was literally just like, just that. He was like, I think your portfolio is dope. I just want to let you know that because a lot of people might come to you. He was like, no solicitations, no, like, I'm not here to like ask you for help or anything like that. I just want to let, like give credit where credit's due. And I responded back and I was like, that is, you know, the most heartwarming thing I've ever heard 
you know, I don't think we do enough of appreciating each other and appreciating like the craft and attention that goes into the work that we do. I think we do a lot of tearing down, you know, we do a lot of critiquing and sort of like, we talked last week about fucking creative wellness and how it's hard sometimes to maintain your, you know, mental sanity because all this stuff is going on. But I don't know, that, was, that was just a moment where I was like, that is something I can pass forward. That is something that I can just be like, you know what? I'm going to give credit where credit is due and not expect nothing out of, you know, making the connection that's there. I, I really appreciate that, what you just said. I, uh, we definitely do need to just take time to appreciate people and appreciate the work more. Mm-hmm. So I challenge y'all to, by this time next week, send out an appreciation to one person and just let them know that what they're doing is fucking fire. Yeah. And I'm going to ask y'all next week again if y'all fucking did it. So Are you talking to us? Or to yes, I'm talking to y'all. I'm talking to y'all. <laughs> I'm talking to people all damn day. What are you talking about? Like I'm saying, if you already do it, cool. Just make an intentional <laughs> step to do it more. <laughs> this week i don't know if i can do it anymore y'all i'll be going out my way to appreciate motherfuckers (laughs) yeah i actually um when i I started following this girl she's trying to break into the ux space and her work is dope i think it's so dope and i always tell her like your work is so dope you could do this if this is what you want to do like just keep like because sometimes people just need that encouragement you do you do all right and on that note I think that wraps up this week's episode of our podcast and our group chat. As always, y'all know we love the listeners. We need to do a better job of responding to y'all sometimes, but we love y'all. We do. And we appreciate y'all listening to our group chat each week. Listen to our insanity that we have. Don't think if people from jobs are listening, I hope y'all think we're great. Because I think we're great. I, I think we're great, and I think we're pretty funny, and yeah. all of those things. If you know, if you want to hop on Zoom with us anytime, you know, and see us in your board meetings, that sounds like a hiring <laughs> option. <laughs> in the board meetings, though, we going straight to the top. Straight to the top. Not in the waiting room. Straight to the top. No. C-suite all day. <laughs> no, but we love y'all for riding with us each and every week. And on that note, I think that's it. Peace. Peace. Are we supposed to say stay black and say stay black and that was USP. Oh right. The floor was yours. <laughs> it was me. But we done the bye. All right, y'all. See you later. Bye. <laughs> oh, bye. Make sure you follow us too. Oh, All right, I, peace. Right. I used to hate when my hair mom, grease. You know when your mom used to be like, "All right, we about to leave," and then I used to. I remember I used to tell my cousin that means I got another two hours, y'all. I ain't, mm-hmm. I ain't leaving just yet. Mm-hmm. But the worst would be when you was by the door and they were still talking. You was like, mm-hmm. "Let's go. I'm ready to go," and she would be like, "We about to go." We ain't going fucking nowhere. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nowadays, my hack for that is you just start rustling and you just get everyone start to like rustle their stuff and start like shaking their bag. <laughs> That's how it feels to end Zoom calls. I'm going to get me just a bag to rustle to let, to, to let the girls know I'm ready to get off the call. <laughs> just...
Just start fizzling. <laughs> uh, all right, y'all. We're gone for real. Thank <laughs> you.